Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, start again. Start again. Here we are. Welcome to the Self Isolating uh, with Juvenile Allen. Um, it's me, DJ Owen, and Alan McGuire of the Juvenile Podcast. Alan, welcome back for the second time to the Self Isolating. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm going to do a much better. Thank you and uh, first impression this time. Uh, yeah, delighted to be back. This is my third time here now. Fourth well, time, first time stuff I said in third time <laughs> yeah. on Sudcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've not been to your houses before. This is not me saying I've been to your houses. Um, yeah, I have, I have got Downs's here, um, my spiritual home. Um, it. it's, it's nice to pretend to be here very briefly. It's nice to drink early, as we were saying. Um, I'm excited, excited to do some talking. Yeah, brilliant, and uh. I suppose you know, we'll kick straight into it. What are you drinking tonight? So, uh, I did have I did a whole thing last time, but it's it's Sol. Um, <laughs> it's a very obscure beer called Sol. Uh, it's Spanish for sun. It tastes like the summer. Um, I got it in our King Quality Food Store. Uh, so it is technically still fancy, um, mm. but it is just Sol. Basically, I, I, I'm leaving the house once a week to go shopping. So I bought this last Saturday and forgot I was doing this on Friday. I would have bought something nicer and I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, I was just having a can or a bottle of Heineken there before we started. So needs must. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely needs must. And then, <clears throat> Owen, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, so I have switched off the Heineken and I'm now on this Lockdown IPA by Killer Brewing Company. Uh, it's nice. It's uh, 6.3%. 6 um and it is pretty fruity and stuff. I, I, I quite like it. Um, it doesn't taste like six point three percent. It's it's quite light to drink. I've been flaking it into me. I'd say I could be absolutely leery by the end of this. Um, I hope so. Yeah, but uh, actually, last time I saw you in person, DJ was uh, dropping twelve cans of 
starts up at your house. <laughs> Don't tell the guards. It was. It are. It, it's not a necessary journey. I suppose it is. Is it? That was an essential journey because I was all out of beer and that, like like you said, I'm also on the lockdown IPA uh, from the Kildare Brewing Company. Fantastic, uh, really juicy, really easy to drink, and just uh, del- delicious, delicious can. Um, again, shout out to them lads. Like they just brewed it ba- basically because of lockdown and they had the ingredients in in the in the brewery and they were like, right, we must throw something together now. And uh, they threw together a, a great can, a delicious, uh, delicious drink, and uh, one that I'm thoroughly enjoying. And um, I suppose, Alan, we we. We loved having you on the show the last couple of times, so we, we said, fuck it, we'll try and get you on again and uh, have a chat about it. I suppose that the last time, the last time I said it, we talked about the Irish language a bit, it wasn't as much about COVID-19 and being a lockdown, etc. Whereas uh, the, the two previous we talked to Dane Dwyer about, um, I suppose, the history of pandemics, and then we talked to, with, with Finn and Tony Groves about um, how the media were handling it, whereas like... Mm. I suppose what, what the one thing that we're doing on lockdown is uh, everyone is kind of just streaming, watching a bit more um, on demand, consuming a bit more of on demand media. Um, so I suppose, first of all, to people who aren't familiar with Juvenile, do you want to just explain what your your podcast, uh, along with your, your two friends, um, uh, Sarah and, um, oh my God, what, what's the other girl's name? So, sorry. Ellen. Ellen. Yeah, Sarah yeah. and Ellen. Um, just what Juvenalia of Sarah and Ellen, um, what the premise of it is, and then it might give people a bit more of an insight as to why we can use the expert on on-demand media. Sure. Uh, so Juvenalia is a podcast that is coming up on its 100th episode actually next month, um, where we talk to a guest uh, about a bit of pop culture. It was important to them when they were young. So the guest always picks a topic and it's always something that was unique to them so that we get like their story on why it's important. So we get weird things then that aren't necessarily the standard like like weird old horror movies or specific ads or stuff like that um so yeah it's me sarah marie griffin and ellen tannum ellen is in vancouver at the moment so she's taking a little break from it but um so it's mostly me and sarah now uh on the tall tales network which is where the creep dive is also um so we're cassie a lot which is very good um and yeah it's just all about how pop culture is comforting essentially is what the show is about um how you can really associate it with where you were at a time so i think a lot of people are going to have very strong associations with certain like netflix series or albums with right now um like i think it'll be very hard to separate tiger king from yeah, from what's going on you know yeah um yeah so that's that's true in alia um, and i remember the last time or the first thing we had you on we talked about like jesus will will like beyonce or whatever be juvenilia for the teenagers mm. of today when they're like in their thirties, like, like um, Tiger King is going to be a massive one in twenty years' time. Like people, people will have this affection for the series Tiger King that that like we would have for you know TV shows of of our generation when we were in that it, like really impressionable age bracket of ten fourteen. Mm. I'm not sure I want to meet the person who is like who has Tiger King as central to their personality though. The person who internalized all of that and has decided to live their life based on Tiger King, uh, I think that would be a worrisome person. But I think uh, there definitely be people with like Tiger Prince and stuff like you know. Oh, pennies, for sure. Pennies will definitely do a line like. Mm. Oh yeah, the, like uh, if Halloween happens this year, there will be a lot of Tiger Kings, Joe Exotics around. I would say. Um, You're growing the mullet already, are you? 
I am scared to cut my own hair. Um, <laughs> because I'm at an age where if it goes wrong, it won't come back. <laughs> so I have to be very careful. Um, you, you, yeah. did a, you did a, a hack job in your one there, did you? Give the, give, give the viewers a look there. See if you... Oh, I, I can't turn around. I actually cut my own hair with a dodgy kitchen scissors that was half broken the other day. It took chunks out of my scalp. But like, I'm kind of gone further than you are, Alan, and that kind of like, you know, it's kind of gone now anyway, so I might as well yeah. face it, you know, I'm kind of like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of owning it now, I think. I think I'm absolutely owning uh, mm. by, by cutting it with a blunt, shite scissors. Um, I, think, I, think, I think it's quite interesting, and I wonder, wonder will, um, like, in six or seven years' time, when, when, will we be going to, like, the communions of school children, and, like, when they're calling out the, the role, will they be like, um, you know, Joe Exotic, Go Doherty, and making <laughs> <laughs> their holy communion in six or seven years time. I reckon there will definitely be someone who will try make Exotic their confirmation name. Oh, in a couple of years. That would be so good. What's uh, um, Exotic actually? Was it? No. <laughs> we need to make it so it was a Saint Exotic. We need to find someone whose name was Exotic who created the Tree Miracles. Um, <laughs> yeah, not Joe. Um, he would love that. I would say. Um, Only exotic or something, yeah. Mm. From Venice, yeah. low. <laughs> Vanilla's exotic from Venice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Exotic Medici. Yeah. So I think I think we're in. You know, we're 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 in that kind of mode now. Where like Alan, you were saying before we came on, that you're five weeks now working from home, and that yep. your wife is working from home also. So I suppose. It, for for many people who are working from home or maybe who who um are, are out of work and are at home now you're kind of you're passing the day and then the evening time is very much consumed by on-demand media i'd say a lot of people's is i know certainly a lot a lot a lot of ours was before we had to isolate from each other in our house um what i we were kind of going to go into a bit more detail on one program each in the podcast, but I, I just want to ask, um, Tiger King aside, because obviously that's been, been a highlight, what has been your, your gem that you've picked up on so far in, in lockdown? Uh, we got really into Next in Fashion last weekend, which is it's basically Netflix's version of Project Runway. Uh, it has Tan France and Alexa, Alexa Chong as the judges, and it's um, the people in it are at a higher level in their career than the Project Runway people. Uh, but it is essentially Project Runway, but just... Tan France is like, do, do you watch Queer Eye? Or have you watched Queer Eye? No, I haven't, no. So Tan is the English one on Queer Eye, and he is... Is he kind of grey-haired, is he? Yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 very, yeah. So he's the fashion guy on that. And he is definitely uh, less American therapy-speak than they are, than the, than the other four guys. Uh, and on this, he is a bit more let loose because he's around a lot of other English people. He's... Um, He's a very funny guy, um, and he dresses a lot more flam- like flamboyantly, not flamboyantly, more high fashion on this than he does in Queer Eye. I think he tones himself down on Queer Eye a lot, so it's cool to see him do that. He has a really good YouTube series called Dressing Funny, where he gives um, comedians makeovers. Uh, basically, says, what do you actually want to look like? Because comedians can't dress themselves, um, and basically brings him shopping. So the first one he did was with um, Hassan Minaj from Patriot Act. And it's like it's it it kind of launched Patriot Act because um, it has like twelve million views or something like that. It's just a really 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 interesting 
like 15 minute video of two guys of um I think one Indian descent, one Pakistani descent, um talking about being uh, of that origin and trying to make a career in Hollywood and what you have to do and how you have to tone yourself down or not and whether you should or not. And it's supposed to be just about him dressing him for his new show, but it turns into this whole discussion about race and TV and stuff. And it's a really, really cool thing. That's, that's on YouTube uh, and Next in Fashion's on uh, Netflix. And um, if you've seen, there's a clip going around of how Victoria Beckham can't speak to normal people right now for her uh, Vogue 73 questions thing. Uh, so this guy comes up to her and she goes, hey, Daniel. And he goes, hey. And then she just ignores him and starts talking to the camera again. And he's like, okay. But he's one of the designers on it anyway. Um, and uh, he is super talented as well. So it's really a shame we didn't get more yeah. of a bit, minute in the spotlight with Victoria Beckham. That's classic Beckham, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting not what you're saying there about that, um, say the Indian and Pakistani um, people and how their experiences of Hollywood. Have you seen um, the, the comedy by Aziz Ansari, Master of None? Oh yeah, I love it, yeah. And uh, like, there's kind of like tidbits to that, like just kind of mentioned in, in that, like um, in the first series anyway, like, but yeah, it's, um, it's very funny. And I suppose that kind of like reared up its head then with like um, Apu and the Simpsons and like, you know, like, um, you know, it was p- portrayed as, you know, racist, especially because Who's the guy who does his voice again? Uh, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria, yeah. Um, it's not of Indian descent. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I think it's just a, a, a take on Hollywood that like, I would never have seen before, I've never heard about before, and that series. But yeah, I actually love Master Nun. Like, the, yeah. It's just it's so funny, but like then just like pulls the heartstrings as well, like just those. Um, like, it, I don't know. It's such a it's such a modern comedy observation of comedy. It's it's brilliant, like, and it's beautifully shot. It does. Oh, it's, it's brilliant! The yeah. whole thing is um, the second series, especially, is in Italy, mm. and uh, it's shot like a like an amazing film. Uh, like, like this. Is, I'm not a critic. It's sh- so I'm going to use very simple words. It's shot like a really, really good film. It's <laughs> 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 the cinematography. <laughs> It's very it's good. good. It's good. It's good. I think I like it. Yeah. Irish Times sign him up there. Yeah. New film critic. Editor way, Donald Clark. I think things are good <laughs> or bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't really I haven't really come across any gems because I I find like you know the way when you were I don't know if, if any of you guys like when when you were say first second year of secondary school when you were like too young to work. But you're on your summer holidays from school. Oh, yeah. And you're yeah. given jobs like, and you might go off with, like, you know, your uncle for a day doing something, or your mother might have a few jobs you could do. But the vast majority of your time is just sitting around doing nothing. Like, mm. and like 80% of your day, you're literally like finding things to occupy yourself with. Mm-hmm. I've actually gone down that kind of route with, um, with this, where I found, I found myself embracing that period of my life where. I've gone back to watch things that I watched back then, and I suppose that's probably a, a, a way to, to segue on to like 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 you know we're going to try and recommend to people stuff to stream or something that has really kind of you know we've really enjoyed in the last couple of weeks and and you know that seventy show ran from nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and five I think right so it basically ran from when I was eight until until I was fifteen. And 
oh, it's just a, a timeless classic, I believe. Like, I, I really, really enjoy it. And I think, like, I really resonate with some of the characters. Um, but as well, with the way the lockdown was going, um, and it's that kind of, like, I'm around the house all day, wait, kind of, pretty, pretty much for all to do. And I'm doing a bit of work from home and all that, but you know the way, like, your, your, your day is just long. Um, mm. So I've been watching that 70 show back, plowed through seven of the eight series so far. And I just think... The great thing, and it ties in with Juvenalia nicely, Alan, is uh, that 70 show has given me that nice nostalgia, that nice bit of pop culture from when I was the age that I would have been around the house mm-hmm. all day without it, not going out to go to work or not doing anything. It just, it's a it's a very similar parallel in terms of like social situation in a sense. And uh, it just brings me right back to that time, which which um, I don't know how it is how it is for you guys, but I found watching that 70 show, I'm almost nearly when I'm watching it, reverting back to like 13, 14 year old myself watching it and uh, really, really enjoying it. And and it's evoking like some really, really good memories of, of being a, a 13 year old idiot. Like, Yeah. No, I remember really clearly the first time that it, it, it aired on, it was on Network 2 and it used to be like on their Monday Night Block, Monday Night Network 2 used to be like the best thing in the world. Oh yeah. And I think I was in transition year when it started and I remember we all came into school the next day and nobody had heard about it and it just came on and everybody was like did you see that that, that 70s show last night and everybody was like yeah it was like it was really good wasn't it and everybody was like yeah it's really good and like we like it became instantly bigger than friends in our friend group it was like we would come into school every tuesday and talk about the 70s show there was someone who like we could not wait to talk to each other about some of those episodes like i can't not remember a single bit of that 70s show now but i remember loving it and i will watch all of it again um, but yeah, it was a huge deal. It was, I'm ex- excited that you mentioned it now. So it's going to put it back on my radar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it, but it's also one of those brilliant um, titles for a TV show. I mean, they, they, mm. they had, um, I'm trying to remember what the, the initial title was supposed to be. And actually, they went through two or three titles before the writers and creators, um, uh, the, the Turner Brothers, I think, and, and um, the Mark Bonney. They like basically decided, fuck it. Uh, everyone's just going to refer to it as That 70 Show. So that's mm. how they came around to call it That 70 Show. They actually had three or four other names. I think the network were pushing a, a certain name that was kind of really out left field. And they were like, no, That 70 Show. Everyone's going to just call it that anyway. So we should yeah. call it that. Um, Do you remember the um, the British remake of it? Oh, yeah. Um, it was called Days Like These. Days Like These. Oh, yeah. yeah. It lasted about six episodes because it was... It was like the, the, the first the first episodes were exactly the same, like they did for like the office and stuff. But because like Britain in the seventies was nothing like that, nobody had a basement with weed in it. Yeah. So or like that big, that kind of lino breakfast or like breakfast uh, bar kitchen. Oh yeah, like, yeah. None of this works. Nobody had a bar in their sitting room. Well, maybe they did. I don't know. I wasn't alive, but actually, yeah, it just didn't work at all. It's a very very suburban, like American show. Like freaks and geeks, I guess. It is, but I think uh, suburban America back then was probably like wealthier than like suburban UK in the seventies. Yeah. Like so, like people were just like, sure, like talking, like even if you kind of think of your own house during the like the nineties or whatever, like it was just like that style of house where you wouldn't have a bar in it, like you know, <laughs> like you just kind of just have some fucking few old drapes in the corner and you know, mahogany fucking chest of drawers or something like just mm-hmm. 
like no there was no style at all in Ireland or the UK in, the, in, in that period of time like you know yeah um, where yeah, you find like the, the floor that was installed in 1991 and then like the like covers that were installed in 1993 and not pay any attention to what the floor was in relation to those no, is, no, here's what's no, in yeah. now we're doing this yeah 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 this is very modular like just <laughs> building on and on <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they also went by there with that 80 show that didn't last the full series. And actually, mm. um, the guy that plays Dennis and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was the protagonist to that. Um, and it did, again, it only lasted a couple of episodes because I think, I think the 80s is kind of funny, whereas like the 70s, they were able to get away with it. Especially with, I think they were very smart in that. They set it in like uh, like Wisconsin, a small town in Wisconsin, kind of mm. suburban town in Wisconsin. And and as well, I think like the, the, the characters and the actors just line up really well. It's like any any show that, that stands the test of time and, and goes on for more than like one or two series, and um, you're talking about a brilliant cast that match up really really well. Mm. And uh, I just want to ask you like, who's your favorite character from that same show? Owen. Oh, Red, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Red Foreman is just the fucking biggest hero of all time. Like he's just the most grumpiest bastard ever. Like I absolutely love him. Like, um, yeah, him and like actually, I love Kitty as well. Like, just the two parents are just quality. Like, you know, because like the the obviously the kind of teenage uh, cast or whatever, um, they all have their little quirks themselves, but they always kind of like blend in as a unit. But it's great just to have like that parental. Uh, role model just coming in, just being like, "What the fuck are you at? Like, just will you ever settle down? Like, you're you're just a pack of idiots, like all of you. Like, um, yeah, I I love Red. He's so good. What I love about Red as well is, um, I mean, like my dad, right, is is was Red. He's not Red now. He's not Red now. It's what it's funny, like, because because I'm the eldest of five, and like I remember at the time, there's so many parallels in terms of the fact that like they like. My dad was trying to raise five kids who were all like under, like like I was 14 and there was five of us and trying to work and all that. You're all stressed. Like, so my dad was that grumpy man for the period of time that I was watching that Sydney show. And like now he's just the nicest guy ever, or like best mates. But mm. I just think back to that time, like my dad was just like this, like, you know, if you'd look at him the wrong way and he'd call you, he wouldn't call you a dumbass like Red Bull, but he'd have some other words for you, know, and he's just like, I just, I look back in it really fondly now because I just imagine the fucking pressures of trying to bring up a family like Red when he lost his job or whatever it was my dad trying to rear like five kids at one time. Um, he's just a brilliant character. And I think like, I think no matter what your dad was like, there would be a touch of Red in everyone's dad, if you know what mm, I mean. Yeah. I think even like some of the softer episodes where like, you know, the, the one in Series 7 where they go to the, the American football game <laughs> and Eric buys the other team's jersey like, and it's like, <laughs> but he still sticks up for him though he still sticks up for him you know mm. I think there's just that uh, Red, Red is the quintessential grumpy owl lad isn't he like he's just, he's just a brilliant character I what's your name is that Red um, I think you know I really like Eric I think he's a really good main like main character centred all around yeah. um, because he is smart and funny but he's not like smarter than everybody else he can be very easily outwitted which is very important for a main character because otherwise like he'll just get out of everything. So he does like mess up a lot and just say the stupid thing when there is definitely a smarter thing you can say. Um, I think this Topher Grace is a really good actor. I wish he was in more stuff now. 
there's a website like the last season <laughs> the 70s show well yeah uh, what, the, what happened there he went to, he went to do Spider-Man 3 was it yeah well he, he, he got that role and I think he just he'd have fallen out with the producers about he, he felt that like um, that 70s show was holding back his career all right, I actually did yeah. an interview with him from a couple of years ago where he, he actually said he didn't realize how good he had it. And that mm-hmm. basically he he went for that role in Spider-Man thinking that he was ready to make that step up. And he said it probably came a little bit too soon for him and he wasn't able to fill the character as well. And it just happened to be that that Spider-Man series wasn't as good as, you know. Well, that when, film. When, yeah. Yeah, well, that film, yeah, that film. Uh, what wasn't, I suppose, what he thought it might lead on to be in the he actually he played in he played your man from the Clue Cuts clan in Black Clansman really really well like yeah I, he was great in that yeah like I I think that the the mark of a brilliant actor is when they can play someone who you're supposed to really really hate mm. and if they can do that well then they're a good actor like it's it's kind of like your man that plays Bob Kelso in Scrubs like um he's just a brilliant mm. actor and um, that yeah. played the evil hate figure really well and. Uh, I kind of watched Black Clansman from the new film Respect for Corporate Grace as an actor. I thought it was really, really good. Brilliant. Mm. Uh, Very interesting to see what he does with that, with his energy as he gets older. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I used to read this website called VideoGov. It doesn't exist anymore, but they used to do a weekly uh, column called, Hey, what's up with Tour for Grace? Where they would just collate all the news about Tour for Grace that they could find yeah. online. And it was kind of just basically like satirizing like the fact that everything was being reported on that every celebrity all the time that you could do a full column every week about Topher Grace in 2007 because even though you know there was no reason for it, but it would always end with, and that 70 show remains popular in syndication, and it still does even now 13 years later. Yeah, it's true, and it will be true forever and ever. I think. Yeah, I think I I, I think it's I just think it's a brilliant show, and I think it it, it does capture a lot of the 70s, but as well, I guess mad the way you're watching a show about. You know, the, the late 1970s. I mean, the eight seasons are condensed into three uh, chronological years as well. Um, but it's mad that you can watch a show about 1977, 78, 79, and a lot of like the subtext and the and the, and, and the social themes running through the show are still relevant today. So it's, I, I think it's really well written as well. Um, and you know, there are, there are not too many sitcoms where like people have gone on to have the careers that. Ashton Kutcher and, and Mila Kunis have had a, as mm. well beyond that, but it's a yeah great show. So I've watched seven series now, and I kind of I don't know do I want to watch the last one. That's the thing. It's always it's it's weird when a core person leaves. We talk about that when we talk about Community as well. It's or even when someone leaves a band as well. It's just not the same. Yeah. Um. I don't I don't think I've ever seen any of the Topher Graceless. Seventy show episodes actually. I think I dropped out before then. Yeah, I don't think it's great. Do you remember liking him or yeah? Well, the, the guy, the guy that came in, I don't, I don't think his name was Eric. Actually, they gave him a different name as well. Um, I mean, it was, I think it was okay. Eric. But, yeah. but you, you know, you're just, <laughs> you're just, you're just there, and you're like, this, this isn't the show that I've fallen in love yeah. the last seven years. Um, mm-hmm. So, Owen, what we'll give Alan, we'll give Alan the honor of being the last show. What, what's, what's your pick for the? Um, for people to stream in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I may have um, misread or misheard um, the brief for uh, this uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, so I thought it was just kind of review um, theory. So I suppose, um, like yourself, DJ, we were, we were talking on, um, what day did I call it? Tuesday? Tuesday. And uh, we were saying, oh, what, what are we kind of planning on do 
doing um, in terms of just watching in general. Um, and I and you said uh, that you were going to go back um, because the latest episode of or the latest chapter, I suppose, of Mandalorian is coming out and streaming on Disney Plus. Um, and I think the last series of um, the Clone Wars, Star Wars Clone Wars has been released this week as well. So I was like you, I was like, well, I'm doing the same. Like I'm going back to the start and I'm watching from episode one because I'm going to go, I'm going to do it in chronological or yeah, chronological order. Um, so I'm going to watch episode one first. So, um, so yeah, they're on, yeah, some last weekend, I think I watched um, Star Wars episode one, The Phantom Menace. Um, man, that is one piece of shit movie. <laughs> oh my God. They are, oh, there's, Oh, it's just so bad. Like it's like when you've watched like the original trilogy and you just compare that, like like it starts off like even the initial bit with the with you know with the the the, the text that rolls up the screen, that kind of classic Star Wars text roll where you have to read like it's about like taxes. Like they're they're putting a tax on like on traders in in the fucking galaxy. And it's just like the Trade Federation are coming in and it's like want to put, uh, implement these, these taxes and the Republic are against it. It's just, you have to go to a fucking, like, it's, it, it's nearly like watching the doll. It's like watching, like, doll air on TV. Rock the TV. TV, like, it is, oh, it's rubbish, man. Um, but I'll give you some highlights, right? Um, so Wado, so Wado is the guy who um, owns uh, young Anakin. He's the, he's the guy who has Anakin as a slave, and he's like this kind of like blue little alien with a big, um, big snout on him. Um, space double. And, yeah, space double. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he is a quality character. Like he just doesn't give a shit. Like he's just like buying and selling slaves, and like just like just having the crack all together, and like giving out to Anakin. And but then he kind of like he's always kind of like he's always kind of praising Anakin as well. You know, he's kind of like you know that man has a well, that kid actually has, like, hands. He could fix anything, like, you know? So that's great. And then he's, like, trying to do a deal as well with, um, with uh, Liam Neeson's character, which is Gi Gon Jin or something? I don't know. Gui John Jin, is that? Gui John. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, he's, like, putting bets on, him, bets on him. Then there was, like, the pod racing bit where um, Anakin goes racing against a few boyos up in, on Tatooine and Jesus Christ like it, it's so like gimmicky it's like it's like the whole thing has been like geared to like set up a video game you know it's mm. like remember Wipeout on Playstation the original Playstation right yeah it's like trying to nearly promote that like it is I don't know like some of the stuff that happens in that that race where like just like just stupid stupid shit like you know people getting sucked into engines at the start and stuff it's fucking ludicrous and supposedly as well Liam Neeson and signed up for the script uh or signed up for that that for Star Wars without reading the script because he was just so he just really really wanted to get into the Star Wars universe as everybody did uh as As everybody did yeah. yeah yeah um so like yeah, it, that whole details like him, like his relationship with you, the Hugh McGregor as Obi Wan, like is fucking miserable. Like there are two miserable bastards that do yeah. the whole thing. Like 
Um, and then you have uh, the storyline with, um, is it Natalie Portman? Is it as uh, Padme or Queen Amidala? Yeah. And like, they're trying to like, for the whole thing, they're trying to like hide that like she's not Padme. That's the most obvious fucking thing ever. Like throughout the whole thing. Like I haven't, like I say I haven't seen the, the Phantom Menace in about like, I'd like I would have totally forgotten about that. And then it's just like, I was just like, wait a minute. Isn't she like fucking Queen Amidala? Yeah, but her, um, her Dublin that is Keira Knightley before she was famous. Oh yeah, that is yeah. true, yeah. Mm. Supposedly, I think that Keira Knightley wanted to go for that role as well. Oh, I'm sure. Then, yeah. Yeah. And, and then just got shut down. Um, Should have been the right age, actually, which Natalie Portman wasn't. But yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, overall, total mock. So I started actually um, episode two there, and about, I think I have an hour left in it. Um, but would recommend that more than A Phantom Menace. Like, really? Yeah. Because yeah. what I was going to say is that the one thing about episode one is that it is an episode two. No, fuck. I just I, I yeah. just think there's just like better action in it and stuff like. Now, it's still shit like. It is still shit, but uh, yeah, no, I just, th- I just think there's like, it's a bit more, I don't know, coherent. I feel like just like episode one is just too much like, like backstory for the for just for the need of backstory. Like they're just putting mm. in backstory just to fill it up. Whereas I think like episode two, they kind of go, all oh, right, here's an actual bit of a storyline here. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that was, that was my review anyway. <laughs> <laughs> here's my recommendation. <laughs> would, you, would you think that 53% on Rotten Tomatoes is an accurate uh, reflection of the film? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, mm. I think... Uh, I, I, I think some people are going to like it. Like, I think there's, like, I'd say probably me. When, when did it come out? Ninety-nine, was it or something? Yeah. Yeah. Ninety-nine. So, uh, uh, I'd say me as a nine-year-old would have been like, oh, pod racing is cool. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, on reflection, I, I was like, pod racing is not cool. <laughs> when, you look, when you look at it, like, when you look at the, 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 like, you know, original Star Wars films, and you're talking about, you know, when we watch them in 2020, we accept that there's going to be like flaws in the in the the, the effects and stuff like that. So oh like, my god, that's another thing. Yeah, the effects are brutal. But, but that's what I was going to say. Like, I think I think you like uh, your your expectation for special effects, etc., is quite low because you're you're cognizant of the fact that this is shot in 1977. Like, you know, it's it's just not going to be at the same level of special effects in 2020, especially given that we've got like the Marvel universe at, at the moment and. Like when you look at the effects in Endgame, like for example, you know you you can't compare the two. I think the problem with 1999 and this there's this era from I think like 1997 to about 2003 2004 where I think filmmakers in Hollywood had the tools to do special effects really really well, but they just didn't understand them, and they just weren't able to utilize them properly. And I I would argue that um you know probably maybe Men in Black aside. Um, from really popular films at the time, there aren't that many that special effects are done really well. And like I think the 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 poor use of special effects brings the Phantom Menace down an awful lot. Mm. And, and as well, it's ju- it's just one of the the poor written Star Wars films. Like stop, there are some brilliantly written Star Wars. Films. Some of the some of the later Star Wars films are quite good and and well written. But I think Phantom Menace is just in this area area where. You know, I think were they just trying to cash in because there hasn't been a film in twenty years, and then they're like, right, we cash in, we make a new Star Wars film. Um, 
we have this film written and we'll just go gung ho and like you said the pod racing like was just we can do it so we will also actually I never mentioned fucking Jar Jar Binks he's the worst character of all time oh my god yeah. oh my god what oh Jesus Christ yeah. what a fool like I think a big part of it is that like when they made the original trilogy they had limits and there was no limits for Phantom Menace but George Lucas was a very very rich man by the time he made the Phantom Menace so he was just interested in taxes and mm. fake princesses I guess and I think he thought he could make it into a toy um, with Treasure Binks um, yeah I mean it's it didn't need to exist really uh, I liked the the new trilogy a lot more except for the last film which was shit um, yeah Phantom Menace actual films I never even watched Ranger of Sith I just was out by then I just couldn't be bothered so yeah I think that, that I think from what I recall Ranger of has a pretty cool like final battle like mm. lightsaber battle alright in it but uh, yeah other than that yeah that trilogy is just people are just, but I will persevere for the good of man <laughs> Well, I, I, actually, I've heard good things. I haven't, I've never watched um, the Clone Wars or um, I haven't watched Mandalorian either, but I've heard good things about the two of those. So. Yeah. yeah, I've never watched them either. I've heard good things, so yeah. I'm yeah. laughing because I know, I'm conscious that like, Neve is in the room next door. I really hope she hasn't heard this because she's never watched any Star Wars. And I convinced her yesterday that we would start Star Wars from scratch tonight and that after this we're going to watch Star Wars and I was saying right we do it in chronological order so it makes a bit of sense to her but like I hope she hasn't heard that because you haven't seen one so I actually had a I had a similar thing with Kira um, where Kira was just like oh I've never watched Star Wars or whatever so I said I'll call you when fucking episode 4 comes on <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I, th- I think you come on to a good thing there like Mandalorian is something I'm really looking forward to Disney Plus is new um, and I think I think they've been very smart in that like they have this like you know Mandalorians are the kind of thing that lure you into Disney Plus because at the end of the day like a lot of people our age would have like if, if we wanted to find them we'd be able to find the DVDs of your Toy Stories and your, mm. your Bugs Life and all these other films that that um, you know if you really wanted to you'd find whereas like something like Mandalorian is, is, is something that they can they can hype up and people who are really into Star Wars or really into the films can now be like well, I really want to watch the series because mm. You know something I'd be interested in. So, I, I and think, every Marvel film as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all thirty seasons of The Simpsons because like nobody's buying DVDs of the last twenty seasons of The Simpsons, but you'll pay a fiver a month to maybe see if they're any good or not. Yeah, yeah. No, they're not. No. Although I did watch one today uh, from season twenty-three, which I've never seen, and there was one good joke in it, mm-hmm. but it was an amazing joke. But it was just the one. Um. Yeah, so I mean, it's it might be worth sticking with them to see that one good joke from eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember actually, I saw one like I had no idea what season it was or anything, whatever it was, but um, it was one where like Homer was on um, <laughs> it was on Skype to someone I think, and uh, they're like chatting away like on Skype, and like you know the way like the the screen like freezes and the person's just like ah like that on the screen. <laughs> And uh, Homer's just like, oh, the screen, screen's after uh, freezing there. Screen's after freezing. And then the person goes, oh, no, I just have cerebral palsy. Oh, it was Mo. Yeah. Oh, it was Mo, Mo. That was, yeah. Yeah, that was 
I think one of the interesting things about The Simpsons is like, you know, we, we touched on it's always sunny there, like seven series to that seven show and the eight series was shite. Um, and it's always sunny went for, it's gone for 14 series now and I think they're shooting series 15. And then you look at like Scrubs, say they got nine series, maybe eight good series before. Yeah, yeah. I think with The Simpsons, they got eight good series. And I think it's just a thing where like, Honest, and with the Simpsons, they're the same age, the same characters the whole way through. I think it's very hard to, to like keep character development going beyond kind of seven, eight series. I think people, like, yeah, that's probably part of it because at the end of the day, after like what eight series, one hundred and seventy episodes or so, like what more fighting can Homer get up to? And I know like yeah. nowadays there's like more technology, so you can go down the route of Homer does something fucking stupid with Zoom or or, or Skype or something, but. At the same time, too, there's only so much character development you can get. Did we talk about this on another episode? No, I don't think so. Okay, because I have a, a theory about what The Simpsons should have done, and I'm pretty sure it's correct. Is that after season 10, they should have jumped forward five years. And then every five seasons jump forward another two years in time so that they actually grow up. Yeah, because yeah. now they had stuff like where like Martin Simpson went to college in the 90s now, and they have a grunge episode. It's like, no, they're from... Marge had Bart in 1980. That is fact. You can't change that, you know? Yeah. It's very annoying. Uh, I find it wild that, like, I consider myself a huge Simpsons fan, right? But I have... Sorry, it's a moth. I haven't seen most episodes of The Simpsons. I've seen, like, maybe a third of the episodes of The Simpsons. And I'll probably never watch fully two-thirds of them. But I still consider myself a huge Simpsons fan. Yeah. Because it doesn't... They, the other ones don't count. Like, even, like, name, like all those um, Irish Simpsons fans pages or mm. any memes pages like like a lot of the rules on them are just like seasons one to ten maybe eleven and that's yeah. it like you are not allowed to post anything <laughs> in any of these forums after that like because it's not yeah. Simpsons, like yeah if you post Lindsay Nagel you're getting banned it's like yeah mm. I lo- I love I'll occasionally throw up a meme onto those but actually the best my most successful meme I think is from one of the later series where Ed Sheeran was on and I put a Put him, just put the picture of Ed, the Ed Sheeran character, and Lisa on a, on a, just just a screenshot, and just put the, put in the words, uh, she played the fiddle in an in, in an Irish band, but she fell in love with an English tan, and like you know, they're just playing for the audience <laughs> thing, you know. But, but like that's that's from one of the later series, and that mm. left up. So I think like you know, it's more about your phrasing rather than actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, I think as well like. Um, I remember reading something somewhere that there was an issue with screenwriters, and that was kind of the the beginning of the downfall of the quality of the episodes. But I think I think I think the thing with The Simpsons is it, it got such a worldwide cult following by series ten that they've been able to get another twenty series out of it and not yeah. even suffer too much in terms of viewership. Maybe I, I'm I certainly not watched The Simpsons. I've not sat down on the television to watch The Simpsons deliberately in fifteen years, but like. Yeah, I did it tonight, but that was the first time in a long time. Yeah. One thing I noticed is that they don't know how to edit for like humor anymore on it. There's and like, and like and I'm nobody, but I could see they should have cut that. All the jokes <laughs> went too long. They oh, let yeah, it yeah. drag out. There's like they're they're editing for a studio audience who aren't actually there, like leaving laughter breaks. It's really weird once you notice it. But it's like from like season sixteen, seventeen onwards, there's like laughter breaks and stuff and stuff that goes on. You're like Early Simpsons would have shut, cut it off there. That was a joke, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's really interesting because I, I actually I don't know if you you've, you've tuned in, but um, Zach Braff and Donald Faison have started a new podcast where they talk about Scrubs and are actually reviewing each episode. They're going back to the very beginning, 
and they did the oh, first. Oh, sign me up! Sign oh, me up! Listen, like, I, don't, I actually don't know your opinion on Scrubs, but like I love Scrubs. I have the first four seasons on DVD. We used to watch them all the time in college. Yeah, um, they got they got the they got the main writer on Bill. Uh, what's his name? Bill, oh, Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence. They got yeah. Bill Lawrence on for the third episode, and they were talking to him. And and Scrubs was the first sitcom that was shot from single camera, so it wasn't like in front of live audience. They didn't have the mm. self-effective laughs in that. And I never, I actually never copped it watching, but it's actually. When, when you hear that, and you, it, it pleases you straight away because that kind of deliberate pause for laughter or something. They actually had the sound effects for the first, I think, three or four episodes only, and then they got rid of the sound effects. The yeah. only sound effect, there was only one sound effect that they kept uh, throughout the whole series, and that was Todd's high five. They kept that sound oh. effect in. Everything else they got away with after five or six episodes, which I never kind of caught either. But again, that's this kind of thing where he was on about, like, you know, you know, it was very much the quality was driven by the writers and the actors and like I think it's just this thing where like you get writers dis- disinterested and then it loses a bit of quality I think maybe th- there's a bit of the Simpsons there where they're trying to be a bit too smart maybe and I don't know I, I just mm. I found when I've seen like later episodes in passing like I might just be in my parents house and it's on TV in the background and I watch 10 minutes and I'm like this isn't it's just not leaking as well I don't think mm. I actually have a great um, fact about Scrubs um, so if you look at um, Scrubs, ER, fucking, I don't know, what, all these kind of, all those medical dramas or comedies or whatever, right, um, that, uh, like someone has gone and done this research, but Scrubs is the most medically accurate out of all of them, as to like things that have happened in the show, like. That's correct, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Like, yeah. just like, you know, someone like, like this, obviously, like comedy, like takes this show, but then like, if you look at the likes of like ER or House or whatever, where like, just things are so batshit insane and they use yeah. like these like drugs that just like wouldn't work or whatever, <coughs> or like procedures that wouldn't work. And you're like, like so yeah. good. Like using chloroquine for prophylaxis in a coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just take it out of the fish tank. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, the, 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 that Bill Lawrence actually mentioned that in, in that episode as well. And, and the fourth episode, then they bring Sarah Chalk in, who played Elliot. It's a fucking yeah. brilliant podcast. The episodes are about an hour or so long. I really, really enjoyed it. So if you're a Scrubs fan, highly recommend. Um, Alan, move on to you then. What's your, what's your big recommendation for the, the listeners to, to sign up to? Right, so my big watch recommendation is uh, a sitcom that ran from 2009 till six seasons later but there was gaps so probably about 2006 sorry 2015 2016 uh community uh which is about a lawyer who gets disbarred because it turns out he never graduated from college and has to go back to community college uh and starts a spanish study group to try to get the hot blonde in his class which is a very basic premise and then it basically ignores that premise after two episodes and this is a bit it's about the study group but there's no real studying happening it's instead it's um it's probably, I think it's like the smartest, in my opinion, the smartest comedy ever. Um, the the way it does references, uh, it's just like completely reinvented reference humor. Like uh, probably the most famous episode is one called Modern Warfare. So all the episodes are called after classes. Um, and in this episode, it's near the end of season one. Uh, so the main guy is called Jeff Maynard. He's played by Joel McHale, um, who 
is mostly famous for community, I would say. He's in the some bits and pieces, but mostly community. Um, and he did that Tiger King um, behind the, the after show. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. Very funny man. Um, so in Modern Warfare, he goes for a nap in his car in the community college and wakes up and the entire college has been decimated by paintballs. And it turns out there's a paintball competition going on and it becomes every action movie ever. And it pulls off the Terminator, uh, John Woo movies, um, well, 28 Days Later, The Warriors, Die Hard, uh, and develops the characters and has an emotional payoff all in 22 minutes. And everything in it is pitched. The action in it is actually incredibly well shot action uh, in 2009. Um, and it's also just really, really funny as well. They do amazing. There's another episode which you would probably recognize a GIF from where you'd recognize the actual show. If you ever see a GIF of Donald Glover walking into an apartment that's on fire carrying pizza. Oh, yeah. And there's people like, so that's from Community. Uh, that's an episode where they sh- show seven different stories uh, depending on the roll of a dice. They show what, because they basically roll dice to see who has to go get the pizza. And they show what would have happened if each of them had to get the pizza. What would have happened to the rest of the group? It is amazing. It's, um, oh, I've never gotten to talk about it on a podcast before. I'm very excited. It's it's, everybody in the sofa. It's Donald Glover's first real acting thing. Um, So Donald Glover was a sketch comedian. Then he was a writer on 30 Rock and left 30 Rock to your community. And then he left Community in season five. Yeah, season five to go be Childish Gambino and then did Atlanta. So um, it's had a lot of um, shakeups. So once Donald Glover left, it got weird. Um, and Chevy Chase left as well. Chevy Chase plays um, a very old horny man. in it. <laughs> and him and Dan Harmon, the creator, did not get on at all. Like Dan Harmon used to... Uh, have a live podcast that he does called Armantown and he would play Chevy Chase's angry voicemails to him at this podcast. Um, Jesus yeah, there was a, a lot, like a lot of bad shit went down behind the scenes. There was, uh, I won't go into all of it because it's a bummer, but it's some, it's been mostly sorted now, but, um, but Dan Harmon was forced off the show at the end of season three because he was so hard to work with. And sorry, get out of here. You, um, uh, so season four had two other showrunners and they're very, very, very talented showrunners from, I think they did Happy Endings, which is another amazing comedy that just is not anywhere at the moment, but if you can't find it, you should watch it. But the whole show is just weird. It just, it's very, like, noticeably a different show without him. Um, so it's called The Gas Leak Season. They just, they came back for season five, they brought him back and implied that there was a gas leak in the school for the entire season four. And that's why everybody acted weird. And then season six only aired on Yahoo!, so that's never really been on television or Netflix before. And that's there now. And that was like their final last hurrah. So it's like it's six seasons. Maybe a movie will happen someday. Um, and it's just so funny. Everybody in it is super talented. Alison Brie from Glow is in it as oh, yeah. well. She plays Annie Edison. Um, oh, thank you. I was like, where the fuck do I know Alison Brie from? Yeah. Glow. Fuck. Thank you. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, it's just the best. I love it. I think everybody should watch it. Um, I've never seen it, so I, I'm definitely getting stuck into this. Now. Yeah, it is yeah. like like every single sitcom ever. It takes a couple of episodes to get going, but the end of like, at the end of season three in the post credits bit, the post credits bits are always brilliant. By the way, um, it has Try and Ab, which Donald Glover and Danny Pudi doing a little, like semi improvised rap in Spanish, uh, and that's oh, yeah. should be when you are locked into it from there. 
Yeah. Or uh, there's a, a oh god, a day to dead episode. Relive a party and Abbott is Batman and it's just it's very good. It's very very good. Yeah. Yeah. I think because I've only watched like a few episodes of it so far, mm. um, like never watched it before, and uh, just like the, the teacher cameos that like they have in it are just amazing. Like some of the teachers that they have coming in are just so funny. Like um, uh, who do I have in? It's like I think it's like episode three or something where um, uh, there's this teacher and he's just like he makes. Uh, Joel McHale's character just go like, you know, it's like, you know, I need you to believe, you know, I need you to live your yeah. life, you know, and it's just, mm. it's fucking, it's so good, like, you know, and like, Joel, what's Joel McHale's character called again? Uh, Jeff. Jeff, yeah. Yeah. So Jeff, yeah, Jeff is there, he's just like, ah, oh, to the, to this, to the study group, he's like, ah, oh, man, this is a fucking easy class, easy A's, like, you know, he's like, everyone needs to sign up for this, like, you know. So uh, the teacher is like, yeah, A for you, A for you, A for you. And then like after the class with Jeff, he's just like, nah, man, you're phoning it in. You are phoning it in. You are not seizing the day. <laughs> you need to seize the day. Live your life. It's so good. I think uh, I, I, it's one of, it's, it sounds like one of those things that would be right up my alley, but I think, I think you, you kind of, you probably hit the nail in the head with a lot of um, hidden gems there, Alan, when you said like it takes two or three episodes to get into, you know? Mm. Um, I I find an awful lot of time with that. Like, Stephanie, you would be sitting on the couch, and we'd throw something on for our first episode, and it's you have that like little moment where you make eye contact, and you're like, "Is this any good?" Yeah. I don't think you can tell in the first episode if, if something like. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Have you ever watched? Uh, well, I, I watched. Um, I think the the first ever episode of Suits. Did you ever watch Suits? Yeah. I and the first ever episode of that, I was just like, "Oh my god!" I mean. I am in the hall, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, was just, I thought that was I thought that was the one of the best episodes. That and obviously the first episode of Breaking Bad are like two fucking first amazing episodes ever. Like the problem with the first episode of the Suits is it's the best episode of Suits. Yeah, that's true. Like it just it just goes it just goes so formulaic after that. Then like I think I think Suits series one and two is very good, but I think then like it becomes very predictable after series. I know it's just the same thing. Like oh fucking. What's his name? Uh, he's going to be found out. No, he's yeah, not. He's found, no, he's not. He's back in there. <laughs> they're going to know a secret. Oh, no, they haven't. Uh, yeah, it's just the same shit over and over again. Like, Although one, 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 one series that I loved, and it was like so, so formulaic, was um, House. Did you ever watch that? Oh, yeah. House, yeah. 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 Uh, it was just the same shit over and over again. Like, every single episode, like, oh. What, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Is, oh, is it lupus? No, no it's not. Yeah. Lupus. <laughs> oh, is it? We used to stream it um, illegally um, in my, my wife's uh, college room. She used to have QL, so we used to st- like, stream that and Heroes were the two things we used to watch. And basically, if they came up with, a, with what they thought it might be, we'd just flick up how much was left in the episode. I got no, that's only 20 minutes gone. It's, that's not that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that, yeah. yeah. But like, um, I, I, I just uh, just to, to, to wrap things up, lads, we go around with one last question there. Uh, Tommy Kyrie just commented on the, the live video there and said, um, Great show so far. What's your favorite film from the 90s? So, um, it's, a long, it's a long birth there. Ooh. I'll go first to give you guys. Yeah, do it. Uh, my, my favorite film from the 90s is very simple because it's 
probably I, I give two answers if I can. Um, my favorite, I obviously growing up in the nineties, being a child in the nineties, animation films obviously, and I've spoken about this on Snowcast before. And I, I, anyone who listened to me talk about Toy Story would know that I absolutely adore it. And it was the first collaboration, um, big, big time collaboration between Disney and Pixar, and it's the film that inspired Disney to acquire Pixar. So I think I'm um, like. Toy Story definitely is my favorite film from the nineties, without a shadow of a doubt. Like it's just, it's just brilliant. And I actually, like even the, like just last summer they brought out Toy Story four, and it's managed to do four really, really good films, um, that that actually are all quite good. Like you, it's one of those rare films where the sequel is a very, very good film, and it's one of those even rarer where the third one is still a very, very good film, and the fourth one again actually isn't that bad. I thought like. I, did, I think it's probably the fourth best Toy Story film. Um, but even at that, like the, the, the storyline wasn't great in Toy Story 4, but, the, but, but again, you know, Bo Peep was fucking brilliant character. Oh yeah, I still cried at it, still laughed. Um, oh, yeah. Listen, I got completely fucking overly emotional at the end of it, like still, mm. no matter what, like, you know, it, it still evoked an awful lot in me, uh, which is the whole fundamental point of films. But um, like Toy Story, the, the first Toy Story, like has to be there for me. But I have to give an honorable mention to Space Jam. Like Space Jam is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. Like, even as someone who didn't watch basketball back then, like just the ingenuity. And uh, like I said, I was complaining earlier about um, filmmakers using special effects and not knowing how and, and doing it poorly. Like Space Jam is like just the quintessential special effects combination animation real life film from the 1990s. It's so good, so so good. And like. There, it's actually what when you watch it back. Actually, it's being released on Netflix this week, um, again. And when you watch it back, there's some like like there's some absolutely brilliant moments in it. Like when Bill Murray comes in and the 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 the, the kind of evil boss man and the monsters is like, I didn't know they were having Dan Aykroyd in this film. Like there's some, <laughs> some really really funny little bits in it that just you you you, you don't pick up on as a kid. So it has. So I haven't watched it primarily as a kid and watched it recently again as an adult. It actually has bits there for the adults as well, which I didn't realize I had back then, mm. but it definitely has. And uh, yeah, Space Jam and Toy Story. I, 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 Toy Story would pip Space Jam for me, but it's there. There are two films from the 1990s that really stand out for me. Uh, yeah, I suppose um, my one is probably um, Star Wars Episode One. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I don't know. Like, I, uh, I suppose I'm trying to, like, when you're kind of talking there about, um, like, you know, like, when Tommy put that question initially of, like, what's your favorite film from the 90s? And I'm kind of like, oh, what, what's a film from the 90s? But it's actually trying to put yourself in the shoes of when you were in the 90s and what it was like back then. And um, what, what, I, what just comes to mind is, like, that there was, like, a, a, like, back then was like, it was all about birthday parties. Remember you had like a kind of sleepover birthday parties when you were like in, um, when you were in primary school, like, you know? And uh, I remember there was like one of the lads that we used to go to and he used to be reckless. Like he was, like he used to go to this birthday party and he used to be absolutely gearing up for this birthday party like all year long because his parents didn't give a shit like what the hell happened all year long. Like, so you'd be there and you'd just be able to, rent like whatever fucking movie you wanted like you know um so we used to rent like um (laughs) 
these grants just ridiculous films like so we ha- got like um freddie got fingered um all the american pies uh like and um, scary movie scary movie is a quality film um but one that we rented as well was um don't be a menace to south central while drinking juice in the hood have you ever seen that no i haven't seen it i do know if it's, yeah 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 yeah, so basically it's like along those lines of um, a spoof film. It's by the Waynes Brothers as well. Um, and it is um, basically taking the piss out of all those kind of like um, gangster hood movies. So like um, Boys in the Hood and like all, like all those kind of films there from the 90s. Like, um, But like it's just, it's stupid comedy and I can't say it's my favourite but it's the one that comes to mind at the moment and it, like I would actually I'm putting that on everyone's recommendations I don't know where you can stream it or whatever but it is it's quality it's uh, it's it, it's like um, it's like a self-racism uh, thing whereby like they like take the piss out of like racism at the time for black people but by black people I, it's just it's very very funny like you know it's 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 very good there's one scene in it all right where there's this like um there's this uh black cop and he's racist two uh black gangsters in it and he just he has this like huge long monologue of uh just uh, he just how much he hates black people um and he's just like ah I hate black pepper. I hate the black keys on a piano. It's it's just very funny. Like just the whole like the whole scene is just very very good. And yeah, I I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. And uh, Alan, what right. was yourself? Uh, I go for Jurassic Park. Mm. Yeah, Jurassic Park is the best film of all time. Uh, Actually, that. Oh, came out in nineteen ninety three, I think. We had to. Yeah. Uh, so like my aunt's like church group arranged a special preview screening of it called Kenny. So we all got a bus called Kenny to see it before it came out. Oh. Um, and I had read the book, the full fucking John Grisham book, all 400 pages of it. So I, I thought I knew what was going to happen. So I like had to cover my eyes for some bits because I was eight. Um, but I loved it. And I've watched it more than any other film, I think. Now, everybody... Now, like it obviously it was scary and cool when you were like eight or nine. But now watching it back as an adult and... Everybody is so good. It's so weird that, like, if you look at the careers everybody's had since then and before that now with a bit of knowledge, like, it's wild that Jeff Goldblum was in that film. It yeah. is nuts that Laura Dern is in that film, you know? Mm. How is Sam Neill in that film? You know, it's it's crazy, but they're all brilliant in it. And Samuel L. Jackson is in there, just in there. And fucking uh, Wayne Newton uh, from Seinfeld is in there. Um, and... It's the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park is the most tense thing I will ever willingly uh, inflict on myself. And oh, I will do man. it over and over and over and over again because it is perfect. It is perfectly pitched. I just love it. And Aladdin as well. If we're going for an animated one, we'll do Aladdin as well. Because Aladdin is the best Disney film, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, what you make of the what you make of the the um the new Aladdin? didn't watch it i saw the clip of prince ali and it was slow and labored and looked very boring um so i just didn't, didn't even bother you're wrong uh, you're wrong really yeah man you like good. it yeah ah. it, is it is like they just did their own shit 
Um, mm. But it was it, like like it's not as good, but yeah, and and I like like for for the deluge of um, Disney remakes that have come out, like it's yeah. definitely like one of the top ones there. I would say. And did you like like two things? Did you like the original first of all? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And did you like the version of Prince Ali in this one, in the new one? Uh, did I like? Yeah, I did. I did. did. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like. I think if you I, well, it was like in a theater as well, and like it, it's it was like very like uh, like a theater stage like theatrical in that sense that like. Mm. The like choreography, everything of it is incredible. Like it is just like how everything is done in that in that scene is just really, really, really good. Yeah. Hmm. The friend of mine is a sound engineer, and he said that the whole film is mixed and recorded really weirdly. Like they made no effort to hide the fact that people were like in very heavily treated soundproof rooms doing their vocals and stuff. There's no life in any of the. But according to him, I haven't seen it. Now. It's just gone off someone who. Yeah, does that kind of thing. He said it's really the kind of thing Guy Ritchie wouldn't pay attention to, I guess. Which <laughs> is um, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. Um, Although I heard, oh, um, yeah. So sorry, go ahead. Uh, the one, yeah, the one thing about it that is that uh, I would give a really good respect is that they, like for like for Robin Williams to be the genie, right? You cannot match that. And yeah. what they did with it is that they tried not to match it. They mm-hmm. like made like Will Smith, this kind of like cool hip hop genie, like and like you know who was like, he, he you know he was funny as well, but like it wasn't trying to hit the same notes as that Robin Williams was hit. It was trying to hit different notes, and like I think that was like extra bonus points for it. Like in that yeah, sense. see yeah. when I hear he's like the genie with hip hop, that sounds like 1997 to me. <laughs> you know, but I'm what's wrong with 97? What's wrong with 97? <laughs> Actually, I've watched any live action ones. I just, I, I saw Beauty and the Beast actually on Christmas Day just by default, but um, I just, I don't feel the need. I feel like they're not for me. They're for people younger than me. Like I have my ones, so I don't really yeah. feel the need to watch I, them. I think, uh, I, I thought, I, I thought of the remakes that Hot Aladdin was the better one. And yeah. the other remakes that I've seen, I haven't enjoyed at all. I, I actually enjoyed Aladdin. Uh, Thing is, just a different film, and you just have to like if you if you embrace that as a different film. What other remakes didn't you enjoy? Huh? What other remakes didn't you enjoy? Uh, the Jungle Book I thought was poor, quite poor. Uh, Beauty and the Beast I thought was again, just not nearly as good. Mm-hmm. Um, Lion King. Lion King, yeah. Mock, like, mock, like, absolute rubbish. Terrible. Like, like, terrible. Yeah. like what they did for that was just scene for scene, like yeah, of the original liking, but just like just basically just put it and render it in, into like fucking three D computer generated animation, like, and then just had yeah. Beyonce ro- roaring over the top and like had a terrible song for her then thrown into it, like. Like the light, the Lion King, the animated Lion King is brilliant. Anyway, I, I, I did I, like. I can see why Disney are doing it, but money, money is what <laughs> it's to extend the copyright on them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They have they've refreshed the copyright for another twenty years. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Like, I can see why they're doing it from a corporate point of view, but I, as Alan said, I just don't think it's for us. Uh, but the only thing I, I'll stick up for nineteen ninety seven for one thing. Jurassic Park two was in nineteen ninety seven. 
Um, mm. And also had a brilliant cast, uh, including Vince Vaughn, which is like, like, again an unlikely choice for an action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you do not expect Vince Vaughn to show up in a sci-fi dinosaur film mm. uh, that isn't riddled with jokes. But there's two. There's two words why Jurassic Park is one of the greatest films of all time. Mm. It's John Williams. I thought you were going to say clever girl, but yeah. <laughs> no, John Williams, man. He's fucking, like, that soundtrack, like, that oh, yeah. Yeah. is, like, it makes it, like, it actually just makes the film, like, you, like, that scene in the kitchen would not be the same without that, like, without, like, oh, yeah. just, yeah. that composition is fucking unbelievable. I, I, I replied to someone on Twitter during the week with a, a clever girl meme. <laughs> very funny and it just turned out to be incredibly condescending and, <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't meant that way at all and it was, it was horrendous like and in my yeah. head it was going to be really really funny and a person would really get the reference and be like that's quite funny but turned, it just really backfired and was awful and and, and, and uh, so, so be careful when you're using clever girl me yeah even though you gotta be careful yeah even though it's one of the greatest films of all time or one of the, one of the greatest scenes um no that's really really good um i've promised i've promised my partner that i'm going to watch a film with her tonight and i've convinced her to watch star wars so uh, we're, we're going to probably draw that podcast to a close there and um, that, that was a fucking lovely chat lads i really enjoyed it i think i think the technical difficulties at the start aside and um, i think i think i'm going to have uh I don't have my work cut out for me in the editing booth on Sunday evening, but um, we 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 get a podcast version out that that will be better than the video experience. Um, but I want to say thanks everyone that did stick with us through the the, the video recording. Thanks everyone listens. Alan, thanks so much for fucking tuning in. And and, and if anyone's listening to this, um, please go to Juvenile because it's it's such escapism. And at this moment in time, it, it, when people are in lockdown, Juvenile is the perfect escapist. Um type of podcast that people really really need and, and and it's just tailor-made for this situation of wanting a bit of escapism and a bit of a, a bit of nostalgia it's, it's just such a good podcast really enjoy it and um, thanks so much for keeping it going because it's, it, it's really good um, oh, thanks for having me no bother you, you anytime like we really fucking enjoy having you can't emphasize that enough um right guys uh I'm not go- I know I'm not going to put a plea out for Patreon. I'm just going to say if you have a five or a month to spend or something, please donate it to a food, your local food bank or something like that at the moment because they need it a lot more. Than so, so, so I would say that I know that Waterford Food Bank are taking them, uh, having a peel out at the moment. The three of us live in the general Waterford area. So if you live somewhere near a food bank, if I'd ask you if you have five euro to spare listening to this or watching this, just, you know, Find out if you can donate it to your local food bank, and that would be what I, I would request you to mind the patching and stuff at the moment. Yeah, fuck that. That's, that's irrelevant at the moment. It's not really important. Um, I know the Waterford Food Bank have a really big appeal out this weekend. So if you have, if you have a few pounds donated, you can then um, actually ring the hypermarket in Waterford, uh, Super Valley Day, or, or our King Quality Food Stores, and you can, if you're shopping there, you can donate a bit of a bit of your basket to the food bank. Uh, if you want to buy some tin goods, biscuits, and um, cereal or something something long lasting like that or, or also like what I did because I can't leave home I rang up our team and, and just basically said can you take money off my card and give whatever the food bank needs to the food bank so I, just, I, I would implore on people if you're in if you're in a lucky situation like I'm in where you've got a couple of pounds to spare that you can help someone out with consider the food bank because a lot more people will need them than, than, uh, uh, in the next few months than have needed them previously um, and, and that's a bit of a sovereign note but on a more upbeat note uh, the juvenile back 
uh, catalog is fantastic. And speaking of like the 90s and this like turn of the century and, and screaming and, and stuff that's really good, the episode, my favorite juvenile episode, Alan, I said this to you before, is one of their Freaks and Geeks, which is just a really, really brilliant TV show. And I really recommend listening to that juvenile if you've not listened to any to get into it and watching Freak, Freaks and Geeks if you haven't seen it because uh, Seth Rogen, Jason Segel, and a lot of these guys like Franco, James Franco and stuff, it's where they started out. Um, so, yeah. Uh, parting words for the guys there, Owen? Uh, yeah, well, I watch or listen to um, the Ron Burgundy podcast as well. That's uh, a good one. Awesome. <laughs> myself, and D- myself and DJ have gotten into that lately. and it is, it's a, That's a good podcast to get into. Um, but yeah, everyone stay safe. Wash your hands, wash your face. Wash yourself. <laughs> wash yourself, yeah. Alan, hard words for everyone. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'll hope to do it again soon. I'm waving, but the green screen is cutting at my wave. There we, there we go. <laughs> Yeah. Now I just need to change screen, stop the live streaming, and uh, should we have a quick chat before I leave the lads? Uh, it's long haul. Bye bye bye. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.